seen dynamic shifts in societal attitudes toward female autonomy, divorce, reproductive rights, and the definition of marriage. Along with it, more and more people are making the conscious choice to live their lives child-free. We are here to unpack the complexities of this life choice and say the things that we can't say anywhere else. Greetings, and welcome to another episode of... Not Just... Sleeping In. I'm Tiger. And I'm Lee. And each week we gather in our secret child-free compounds and discuss all the things about this pretty crucial life choice that we've made. This week, legacy. How will you be remembered? What stamp will you leave on the world? What will your legacy be? The classic life script often uses the creation of progeny. It's kind of a shorthand uh, to answer and absolve a lot of these questions uh, and assuage a lot of these existential fears. But the decision to be child-free can leave people open to really wrestle with some of these questions. <laughs> but first, Tiger. Yes. How late you sleep in? 10 a.m. Bing. Christmas. Double digits. Christmas Day. It was great. Oh my God, what a delight. Yeah. See, we, uh, we had the, in the Zoom Christmas of it all, uh, very much had to... Um, get up earlier, I think, than we would have chosen to, to be ready for, like, a, a reasonable East Coast Zoom call with the fam back in the mid-Atlantic, where we were really trying to skate that line between, like, y'all are going to be real ready to do this, like, earlier in the day, but, like, any earlier than noon for you is, like, earlier than nine for us, and that does not feel like the happiest Christmas, <laughs> so... Um, we... We had the unfortunate... So I live in Middle Tennessee. Mm -hmm. um, so because of that uh, terrorist in downtown Nashville, we didn't have oh, boy. cell reception for a good chunk of Christmas Day. Oh, no. Oh, my so God. So I thought my family was ignoring me. Oh, no. <laughs> because I'd slept in. And I was feeling like shit until one of them got through... <laughs> Oh my God! Unintended consequences of domestic <laughs> terrorism, ladies and gentlemen. I was like, the, like, not. <laughs> I don't mean to like wow. make this sound like the the worst thing that happened that day because obviously it wasn't. But <laughs> it was yes, an unintended consequence of domestic terrorism is that I thought because I slept in, my family was mad at me. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh my God. You have to laugh or it's wow. just like really horrible. <laughs> it's what a nightmare. What an absolute nightmare. <laughs> everything is okay now. And luckily we don't have a TNT service. So we got everything back up and running pretty quickly. I think Ooh. we finally have 911 in my county again. So. Oh, that's good. Yeah. And this episode is yeah. well into the future. So I'm sure everything is fine. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Uh, so let's segue right into it. Speaking um, of existential dread, though. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Uh, so it's it's funny because I know this is one of those episodes, Tiger, that I think this, this weighs weirdly heavy on me sometimes. And I don't think that you've had a similar experience or have had a different experience. And I'm very in, uh, curious to kind of unpack my own weird neuroses about this and then and then get kind of your your thoughts and feelings yeah you know? i think i think this is one of those problems that is a little gendered also sure. which will be kind of fun to get into 
Yeah. Um, and yeah, I'm, I'm just, and I'm also such like an anti-capitalist, like fuckhead that I literally uprooted my whole life to get off grid. So yeah, <laughs> it makes it weird. <laughs> well, it's funny because, you know, I think the, there's a couple weird kind of like dents in the armor that led us to this point a little bit. Um, capitalism definitely kind of plays into that a little bit because for so much of like Western cultural existence, um, the idea of passing down land and titles and inheritance um, and the names of people and, you know, um, has factored so much into ideas around marriage and partnering and coupling and the whole thing. Um, and we've really kind of broken a lot of that up, but it's still it, very much in the imagination. I mean, look at how much, uh, I mean, like 23 and me or like, Hey, spit in this vial and send it off to some mystery company. Um, one, of my, great, your... one of my great regrets in life is doing a 23 yeah. and me. Oh yeah. Yeah. Nothing bad has happened, but it just feels weird knowing that like my genetic information is out there. And every time it I get one of those there. weird emails, it's like, you have 23 new distant cousins. I'm like, eh, eh, no, yeah. no. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. And you know, ancestry.com. I think we're very fascinated. We now are at a point in history where, you know, the documentation of our lives in ways that will theoretically exist, um, has revolutionized in the last, you know, our lifetimes, much like all, a lot of this stuff, right? I mean, it used to be like, you know, the Clark Griswold watching his old eight millimeter videos in the attic, you know, or, and then VHS, we, we were kind of VHS babies. Yeah. You know, my family didn't have the giant shoulder mount oh, VHS did. camcorder. Yeah. But that was definitely a thing. And then like, I remember like, you know, having, like a film camera as a kid on like field trips in school that would have like the multiple pop flash that you had to, you know, it was like a, a 10 inch long piece of hard plastic yes. that you had to throw out like every eight or 10 photos. Um, and now just social media. Right. So I think we're kind of obsessed now with like, what would my great grandmother or great grandfather's tender profile look like? You know, um, or maybe not, um, you know, like my, you know, and, and weirdly, I think this is, this is like a bingo card episode, you know, cause I think that like, what will your legacy be or how will you be remembered or who will remember you? I think is one of those things that gets tossed at us Yeah, sometimes as child-free people. And, you know, it's not a reason to not take on this giant life burden that we really don't want to do. But at the same time, it kind of leaves this, there's open territory that needs to kind of be addressed that a lot of people who fell into like a very rote life script, it was part of it. It was part of the deal. And it's so much the default that it's an assumed part of the deal. And if you're not doing that, then even if you've mentally and emotionally worked through all the processes of being like, yeah, I'm child, like I, I, this is not a part of the human existence. I have any 
interest in. You're still kind of left with like something I kind of call like the Coco problem, right? Like this whole like D.A. De los Muertos idea of like you exist as long as someone remembers you, you know? And then like, what does that mean if you don't have that weird forced intimacy uh, that's not always great, you know, between parent and child? Um, what are the other things that you're kind of putting in that space? And again, yeah, you're right. I think there's a really strong, literally patriarchal component to this, you know, in like a very literal way. Yeah. Um, but I know that for me, it was one of the last hurdles I had to get over. Really? Yeah. It is. It's so, it's silly, but it, it's, it's very true. Like it's very. I real. don't think it's silly at all. Yeah, I don't. I don't understand it. Um, so, I think. Let's take it from this like bird's eye view of like what is existence without a legacy, and like just explain to me like you personally like where are you coming from with this? Like, what is it like for Lee? For Lee, so it's very much tied, and again, like some of this will live behind the veil of secrecy or whatever, but like. A lot of it's tied to my fucking last name. Okay. How silly is that? How no, like, I... but it's not. It's not. I'm I'm trying to actively not do that. But so I have. There are maybe fifteen hundred people in the United States right now with my last name. Maybe it is a very rare last name. European. Uh, my family can trace their roots back to not in like a straight line. There's some gaps, you know, in the 19th century where things get a little murky, but to the first immigrant with my last name to come over from Europe in 1756, land deed from Lord Baltimore for the farm where my grandfather grew up. Like, and again, he didn't have the deed, which sucks. That is like the weird, that's my holy grail of like family history that I want. But that's like a weird, and so there's a weird pride. Like my, um, one of the weird things that like my, I've, I've often talked about like my child-free great aunt and great uncle. Um, one of the big things that they were able to do with the, you know, theoretical extra time and money that, folks without children have um, go to our ancestral homeland and find like other people with our last name. And there's apparently a, a, a castle. There's apparently a Kirschwasser brand with our name on it. Like we, they brought back all of these treasures with like, you know, I have like a tiny music box um, with like the family seal on it. Oh, you know? yeah, we have, uh, and so there's a lot of weird pride tied up in the family name. Now, I have two sisters. I've mentioned obvious a couple times on the podcast. They both married and took their partner's names, right? So all of the, and I think even in the very first episode, I was like, oh man, look at all the relief of like, next one in line gets married, I'm off the hook for a little bit. Next one in line has the kid first off the hook even further. But like the one kind of hanging out there thing 
was like the family, the literal family name of this line because my father had a sister. Like that, that whole weight falls on me for like this branch of the family line. Like this, the name I die, the, the name stops in this. And like, that's kind of a, for me, I don't know, who have, have been overthinking things my entire life, is a little bit of a mindfuck. Like, it's kind of a, a cosmic brain. How does it affect my everyday life? Not much. <laughs> but, like, in the, in the weird eons of history, galaxy brain view of it, that's kind of fucked up. So then, like, what do you do, right? If I'm going to be the last beep in the line to like make that count make that mean something and like having you know uh, a career in entertainment we all start off younger right with this idea of like oh I'm gonna be a director I'm gonna be a producer I'm gonna be an actor everyone's gonna know who I am I was in a band I'm gonna be in a band you know what I mean and then there's a claim and fame and whatever and then you can like etch that last name in the marble of history and it'll at least stick around for a second, right? And yeah, and if without that, it's kind of weird. And I don't know, this has been on my mind. It's, it's always, it's been on, it's been on our, our to-do list for episodes for a while, but it's really kind of popped up in my head. Um, I know I'm always kind of trying to goad you into watch professional wrestling, and I apologize. But uh, <laughs> at the time of recording, the entire kind of pro wrestling world is really wrestling with uh, the passing of uh, a performer named Brody Lee or Luke Harper. His real name was John Huber. Uh, he died very suddenly over the holidays. Well, not it come. It came out that he had been ill for a minute, and not COVID related, but like he passed away unexpectedly. Okay. And 41 years old, which is like shooting distance of old Lee. Um, and it's just been this last weekend and over the, the holiday season has just been this absolute outpouring on social media of stories about him as not only a performer, but as someone who cared very much for the lives and of his workmates and his friends and weirdly, every point of this, like being venerated as like what a person, what a loss that we've had always, and what a great father he was, gets tied into this every single time it comes up. Now, mind you, professional wrestling, if you look into the history 30 or 40 years ago, like our, we have, we have a, a generation of professional wrestlers who like, like playing video games and like don't go on weird drunken benders and wreck cars. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. it's a kinder, gentler world of professional athletes. But it really struck me how much the conversation has revolved around him as father. Amongst like his peers, his working peers. And it just really kind of brought this whole thing back up to me as like, what does it like? What does it mean? How do you find? Doesn't mean anything, but and you can say that it doesn't. But there's still this for me. There's this weird humming in my head 
there's this unchecked box that I'm, there's a puzzle piece missing that I'm trying to fit in. And it's trying to figure out what goes in that piece. Interesting. I mean, yeah, yeah it's, it's not, it's genuinely not something I think a lot about. Uh, yeah. Or if, and, and I can, I mean, and it's not that I don't ponder existence frequently. I mean, I know we say this all the time, but like growing up in church, you can't help it. Sure. There's always this search for meaning, but for me... And you can throw a lot of the trappings away, but that, yeah. that existential... But for me, it's never in what am I leaving behind. Sure. I think, and I think this is where I think like some of this is kind of gendered is because like for me, as far as like a name, keeping my last name is like a fight for my identity. You know, yeah. that, that is saying something, whether I have children or not, it's like a thing, you know, for someone in a ostensibly heterosexual marriage to keep her last name. You know, we have different last names and that's okay. Um, you know, but yeah. it, it's been a lot of explaining that to people and like I don't like everything is so impermanent it seems it I just would rather not trouble myself with what comes next sure and I think I've got enough like aunts and uncles and stuff that are bad children or bad parents and maybe won't be remembered fondly or aren't a credit to their parents name or you know my grandparents right. name or whatever that it's like, I don't, it seems just as precarious to have children as it is to not, if that's where you're seeking right. your legacy. Um, yeah. and I, and I, I do. So back in high school, I was in marching band, right? Sure. And one of the most, right there with you. yeah, one of the most, <laughs> one of the most valuable lessons. I think I've, one of the things that I've clung to from that is that our director, um, talked about legacy as something it's, it's about your actions. Right. And, and not about mm -hmm. fame and not about your name being remembered, but like the good you do in the world is the only thing that really lives on. And, and he, because we were, you know, a music program in a Midwestern school, primarily focused on football, our success ensured the future of the music program. Mm -hmm. So it was very much give it your all so that next year or in five years, more kids can do the same thing. Like you're enjoying yourself right now, do well so that other people can do this. And uh, it's, it's really cool because we started kind of revamping this program and, and he really, it wasn't just about him. It was like, he put it on us. He charged us with like being better. And it's really cool because now they're winning state titles and stuff. And while yes, it's the hard work of these high school students, it's so neat to feel part of that. Yeah. Um, and I think for me, that's always sort of been the philosophy is just I'm going to keep my corner. I'm going to clean my little corner of the world and, and grow it and cultivate it as best I can. Not so that I'm remembered, but so that other people, they'll know I was there or that someone who cared was there. You know, it's yeah. it's kind of that. It's like the Lorax. He. It wasn't about the Lorax. It was about the trees. <laughs> Sure. And and that's kind of yeah. where I'm at is just I I I don't particularly want to be remembered or noticed or be famous. Um 
I, I'm, when I was younger, I thought I did. Obviously, I have a fucking film degree. But the more I saw of that world, the more I was just like, not interesting. But I do want to be good. Yeah. Excuse me. And I want to be good in such a way that it's contagious and infectious and reaches beyond me in ways that I might not get to experience. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That, that for me, would be the the best thing. And I think, I mean, and that's also, I mean, and I truly, you know, I volunteer a lot. Like volunteering is really important to me. Animals are really important to me. The environment's really important to me. And so it's like, for for me, I try to find, perhaps I do think about it just more than I realize because I do try to find a way to cultivate that integrity in my day-to-day life so that the goodness that I believe in comes through in my actions. Yeah. Um, And if my legacy is just owning an electric car and recycling and like, getting rid of fucking styrofoam in middle Tennessee, then yeah, yeah that, that's good enough for me. <laughs> sure. It's funny though. Cause it's like there, you know, I want to, as we kind of unpack this, that that falls into kind of one of like, I unpacking kind of the alternatives that a little bit later, it's, you've really kind of touched on one and I'm interesting to kind of interested to see that kind of come back around. But it's funny that, because again, you, you, you said very kind of poignantly and we all have those experiences of like, um, like it, it, having a child all of a sudden it's like, it seems to kind of not 100% obviously there. I'm not saying that, that, that parents don't have the same struggles in any way, shape or form, but like you, it, it, it colors in, it checks a huge part of that box almost automatically. And I feel like that's a very, like, I wanted to kind of like look back through, like, why does it do that? And it's so funny because like, there's obviously in kind of the, the medieval or feudal, like this stuff is profoundly important to the most rich of people of like, who gets this castle and who gets that land and like, will this marriage like stop a war, you know? So some of that and like, and then when that happens, we need you to have some children. Otherwise the war will start again. Um, So like, there's a lot of pressure, but the funny thing was that like, and like a really dumb, and I think that there's, there's obviously parallels to this today, but there was like trickle down like legacy porn for, for the people that really, they were just like, we honestly just need more farmers. So if you guys could keep on and that's the real, that out. that's the real tragedy of that is it's they were convinced that it was their legacy, but really they're just buying into someone else's bullshit. Is, it's yeah. like, oh, your kids are part of Lord turned Farquaad or something, his fucking legacy. Yeah. Like, oh, like that's the problem with it when you dig real deep is it's like, especially in like our current world is it's like are you actually having kids to secure a legacy or pass something down or is it to help earn other people capital? Yeah. And it's crazy how many of the thing pieces. And I like, I looked up one in the Atlantic, right? So it's not just the providence necessarily of conservatives, but the, the hand wringing about, um, you know, declining birth rates and, what will happen to the economy? Oh, fuck and off and happen- automate everything so we can enjoy our lives already. We should be living in a yeah. post-scarcity utopia, you fucks. 
Yeah. <laughs> why are, why haven't we formed? You know, it's like if if Space Force wants to ape the Galactic Federation's aesthetic and logo, then we could at least get to like a money free utopia already yeah, we already have all uh, the stuff everyone needs to survive we're just not distributing it appropriately yeah then questions what of I legacy love, do become better because it's not about yeah, the what, stuff what i love in the um in the lore of star trek not to become a just giant nerd for a second is that the 21st century is the literal like shit storm of history like that we all had to suffer through to get to the pseudo utopia of Star Trek that this decade or this century was the worst one. Like in DS nine, there's like I weird riots. Mean... Yeah. I mean, it's, we're oh. right there. Oh, Oh, oh you don't say, oh. you know, <laughs> and just like rampant homelessness. Like it's, Hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's really funny that, that, but all of a sudden, like you have baby, and in the same way that, like, your your whole life focuses on keeping that thing alive long enough, you know. And my mom used to say, and again, like, her son ended up very pro-sex worker, so this didn't work. But, like, she used to always say, like, my job is just to keep you out of jail and keep you off the pole. She used to say that all the time. Which, like, eyes rolling the whole way back into my head. Um, but... You know, all of a sudden, like, job done. But weirdly, you're just passing some of that existential weight onto your kids. Even the whole idea of, like, like, you know, our parents were probably a lot of the, like, first in their family to go to college. You know, I know that mine, my parents were, you know. And so, like, there's this weird escalation that happens generationally of, like, where does that top out? You know, like, where does that, what is the... the they, like there can't at some there's not world enough for like a world of ubermenches you know like there's not like how we can't all be I don't know it's just so crazy but I think that there's this weird escalation that gets built into this generational cycle of like you're constantly passing that buck forward and the existential weight of of unsuccessful businesses and unhappy marriages and unfulfilled dreams just gets compounded in this existential snowball that just rolls through the generations. Maybe I'm in, like, I don't know, but like, it's kind of crazy. And like, so if you just don't get to pass the buck, if you don't get to just hand it off to the next generation of like, well, I made you and you're alive. So I did something with my life, um, which could be like, it takes like five weird minutes to make that happen. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't actually that I'm oversimplifying, yeah. but like you right. can plenty of people in the, in the span of human history have stumbled into pregnancy unawares. Yeah. So like, but all of a sudden, like you just get to be like, well, I, now it's your turn to go make something of yourself. And, but if you don't, all of a sudden you're just this repository of like, well, I'm it, I guess, maybe, somehow. And then what do you do with that, you know? <laughs> I mean, you drink heavily and move to the woods, you know? There you go. Um, yeah. No, but I, I do think, like, 
I think that's the thing is you kind of realize what a, an illusion all of it is. Sure. You know, and how you have to rethink like what legacy means. It can't just be checking a box. Like what is it actually like it's it frees you up to actually find things that are of value to you. Yeah. You know, and I think that's where like, you know, there you've kind of got a series of alternatives, right? But I think what it comes down to is like um what are other values that you can put forth, you know, besides yeah. the value of like more human life. Yeah. So I kind of like I started to pick this apart almost in like a a tarot card style um, you know, major arcana of like what these other archetypal um based on kind of what you see in the world what's placed value on and again the whole thing could be bent sideways so these values are often kind of weird um and i kind of have identified a couple of big uh ideas and there might be other ones i'm curious to see what other people think but the first one i, I kind of think about is kind of the the corporate mogul idea right or the and again this is a derivation the capitalist derivation of lord whoever right and it's funny because one of the first weird um, subversions of the life script that came into my life very early, and it's it's a throwaway joke uh, from the TV show The State, which I absolutely loved uh, as a kid growing up, and um, unrelated to the entire episode uh, in a sketch called Captain Monterey Jack, the throwaway joke at the end is, and remember kids... Thomas Edison was a great man, but he was a real bastard to his wife and kids. Like, that's the joke, right? <laughs> and it always, I think it was one of those things I just never thought about, right? That someone could be, in my weird, dumb, mid-Atlantic Christian bubble, that someone could be a historically important, and this was years before we had, like, completely uh, deconstructed what a shitbag Columbus was. Yeah. Like, this was way before all of that. Um but that someone could be a storied person of history who maybe was not like a nice person or like very good to the people around them. Um, yeah. And it's just, so there's being successful at X, Y, or Z to the point where, you know, no one cares who your kids are. No one remembers what their names are. You are person. You invented peanut butter. You know what I mean? Like you, created the cell phone, the electric car, and you've just, that's your legacy, Yeah. right? But like, we I mean, all can't- to be fair, the invention of peanut butter was actually from George Washington Carver, wasn't it? And didn't he do a lot? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, he was a very good man. Sure. Right. <laughs> His but legacy like, went way beyond peanuts. Went way beyond peanuts, but like, I think, in like the weird- I think it's like, yes, you can choose money. As like your legacy, just amassing hordes of wealth. You can be the dragon of your age, you know, the, the Elon See, that Musk. that doesn't sound terrible to me, you know, but I, like. But I think, I mean, it's a totally legitimate way to go. It makes you a real bastard, but. Yeah, you know. yeah, that's it. You might end up being a real bastard, like, and that seems weird, like, eh, like that doesn't seem great. Yeah. And also like the, 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 the lottery winning odds of pulling that off are not really sustainable for like you know, several billion people. No. You know, like, so if not, if not money in this capitalist society, then maybe art, you know, maybe you create a 
a song or a performance in a movie or a really good tweet, you know, <laughs> that like lives, you know, you, you create an idiom that even your name might not be remembered, but a turn of phrase so poignant that it sticks in the human consciousness forever. Um, I think really interestingly, you know, um, we saw kind of the way everybody, the outpouring around the passing of Chadwick Boseman in the midst of like an already historically shitty year, um, that that really brought out people's feelings and it really hit people in a year where just 300,000 people died. This one person died and it bummed everybody out. Like the, he's gone too soon. And again, Chadwick, no children, right? So unlike some of these other examples, there isn't that, you know, common. And again, like we don't necessarily know if he was child free. We know that he, had a relationship and had health issues, but like now everybody really banking it. We have the performances. We have those handful of movies that he graced us with and we'll mourn the loss of that talent. But like, we can cling to this. We can, we have this to reflect back on and he's going to be remembered through that yeah, and live on through it, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think but, that's really beautiful. It's not feasible for everyone, but if you have that level of talent and dedication, like, I do think that's a really, I mean, it's a beautiful alternative to... Yeah. And it's but, it's also kind of, like, not risky or harmful. Like, having a kid is risky. Being a wealth-hoarding dragon, super unhealthy and unkind, not a great way to yeah. be. But, like, being an artist, that, I mean, that feels sustainable, you know? Like, striving to yeah. create something beautiful that connects with others. Like, that's, I don't know, that's a that's a fantastic legacy. Um, not a, attainable yeah. for most of us. No, and even the funny thing, so my, my asterisk to that one, because, again, we all want that, and I think the allure of it drew a lot of people to careers in the arts, but, like, when you get to... 15 or 20 years into an artistic profession, um, which again is a, is a, a, a pyramid, a hierarchy of structure that very few people at the top, hundreds and thousands of people the whole way down that pyramid. Um, it, it, you start to like, yes, I am, I am pursuing this most noble of things. And then it gets tricky, right? It gets weird as you specialize into careers that maybe aren't at the top of said pyramid. You know, my partners had fantastic success in getting nominated for things um, and winning things, awards. And you get them and it's, maybe it's you, for some people in our industry, it happens very young. And then you're like, what do I do now? You know, the like nothing... God bless the 10-year-old that wins an Oscar. Like, what an absolute existential mindfuck that must be. Like, I don't... What a nightmare. Yeah. Like, to me, that sounds awful. But, like, you know, I had an experience back in the in the, in the near before times. You know, we had a, a wonderful award season. Um, my partner and I both nominated for things. Um, they won. Hot damn. Um... But I was nominated for, like, the highest award. My specific job doesn't really have all the awards. 
I really only have the one yeah. that's available to me. I was nominated for a project that I worked on for less than a week. <laughs> a very important movie, a very important project, a, 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 gr- a great movie. Yeah. But my part of it was about two weeks. Yeah. And it is 60 seconds of screen time at the end of the movie. Uh, essentially, we reshot the ending. Yeah, like, that's it. But the, the way that the rules of my illustrious guild work, I get nominated. And it sitting amongst my peers in like a, a just a crowded ballroom of us just dropletting all over, you know, steaks and vegan um, catering meals together. Um, oh, so weird. Uh, it felt fucking weird. I, I remember kind of dreading. I was like, if I win for this, if I have to walk up on that stage and stand next to these people I barely know, I, this could be the one time I win that award. And like, how fucked up is that? Like, so it's, it's as, as, as much more noble as it than, than the dragon hoarding, it comes still with its own weird pitfalls. You know? Yeah, I mean, humans are always going to try to find a way to assign value to things. Um, yeah. That always ends up being a little bit arbitrary because yeah. the human experience is, like, too diverse to put into categories of best whatever. And I think yeah. that's, I mean, and yeah, creative projects like movies are just too big to credit to one person. Um, yeah. And it, it, so it does, it might feel diluted, but I don't think it should you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you still helped them with the end of their movie. Like, sure. and I'm not, I don't know. It's just, it is, it's odd. The whole thing is odd because it is, it's, it's that assigning of value in a way. Like yeah. what, what makes an artistic contribution valuable, you know? Yeah. So let's, we're, let's, we'll, we'll, we'll bend this back around, I think, to more kind of attainable ideals than, than, that don't necessarily, necessitate like fame yeah because that's that we've we've seen and and you and i think both know people personally that have had those successes that it rings very hollow and they struggle profoundly for the rest of their life to figure out what the hell to do with themselves yeah so not necessarily a given except for very few people so more obtainable classically so this one i'm referring to as the priest or the heterophant or the hierophant sorry um this and again, we we really want to. I think the child free lore keepers is an episode I really want to do, kind of all on its own. Um, but it's very funny, particularly for all of the weird Christian ideals about um, marriage that hang up. Well, so much of our hangups come from. There was a really long point in time where, like, the best thing you could do was not do it at all. The highest form of life was seen as being celibate, of devoting yourself 100% to kind of these these beneficial, spiritual, esoteric undertakings and to commit yourself fully to that. That was seen as the highest possible calling and the most, but it's like, but if you have to like, if you have to like have some goddamn children, I guess go do it. And I think it's very funny that in a a world and in America that loves talking about traditional family values that for the longest time that was seen as like a a real step down. Yeah. If you got to like squat some kids out, like God's going to be like, sure, I guess, you know? And I think it's really funny that that's a real part of the, for like 
if we're, if we're talking time, if we're talking years, like 80% of the Christian legacy, they were like, eh. Like pretty much anything before Martin Luther, they were like, I guess, squat some kids out if you have to. Gross. Yeah. So. Maybe one of them will become then, a priest or a scribe or a teacher. Like, <laughs> Right. And... I weirdly think that that the like the shorthand of that was obviously it wasn't totally working. Like that's why I think Martin Luther's like, well, maybe we can just have like meaningful relationships and children because <laughs> maybe that balances life out a little. Because if you're always kind of chasing an unanswerable mystery, like that, like that's a that's shaky ground to build a legacy on too. You know? Yeah. Like. <laughs> exactly it's, I don't know. it's shaky because it, it, it becomes very ephemeral and it's like does anyone actually care if they're all busy having families and living their lives and you're like communing with the great spirit and trying to write about it you know like yeah. I, it, it does it really matter yeah like in the in the grand scheme and I remember and I, I'd love to, because I know we have similar experiences in this kind of realm. I remember, did you ever have growing up? Did you have a? Did you ever fear a calling? Did you ever have that like existential? Every I remember at certain points in like high school and college, going to bed terrified, terrified that the voice of some sort of cosmic being would come to me in the night and say like, "I really need you to like suck it up and go to the like the deepest part of the jungle," and like have like a very unpleasant existence you know i was told that couldn't happen unless i was someone's wife so i would have given anything for a calling to tell people to fuck off i really wanted to be a pastor and was really told that i couldn't so again very very different experiences based on gender gender uh and that's that's where this is so like it's just that's what it for me it's like this keeps like it's such a kick in the teeth like a legacy is a privilege in some ways sure like to pursue yeah. to pursue a legacy especially in like american culture today is to have a certain amount of privilege where you can kind of work your way up that hierarchy of needs and pursue something higher than yourself yeah. um it's and i think it's not about scarcity it's not about survival but you can actually yeah and i think for me i'd rather not keep climbing i'd rather help other people enjoy themselves and and you have like this kind of good friend legacy here like as like you know everyone's best friend someone who's really really missed when they're gone um and I kind of want that but I also want to make space for like myself and all of that you know yeah and those nights where I just want to stay at home and take a hot bath and again I don't I don't particularly want to be remembered I want to I want the things I do to matter because yeah. I think especially growing up in the church, I was told there's nothing I could do that would matter because of my gender or because I'm a sinner or whatever. It's like, you know what? No, I <sighs> legacy isn't if, if I don't know. Like, if there has to be an idea of legacy, I don't want it to be about acknowledgement or fame. I want it to be about, kind of like my band director said, making sure someone else can have the same experience that I've been able to have in my life. The good parts. And helping them avoid the bad. You know? 
we're helping them through the bad so it hurts a little less. I think that, and and some parents do get to do that. Some parents really fuck that up. Oh, royal. But I yeah. think as child-free people, like we have this wonderful opportunity, I guess, to really hone in on uh, what what it is that we love and like how to make that even if it doesn't live beyond us, how to make it good while it's here. Cause like at the end of the day, none of it is going to last beyond like a hundred, 200 years, like civilizations fall and we don't know fuck all about them, you know, like sure. human history, like, and then like the history of like life, the universe and everything is so disproportionate. Right. I mean, and, and like, I don't mean to yeah. sound, I hope that doesn't come across as nihilistic. It's just that like life is so fragile and precious. Right. It's like we need to cultivate what's special about it while we're here and enjoy it, sure. you know? And and I think that, like, you do that. I know you do that. But I also, and I, yeah. I just, I find the whole concept of legacy, like, deeply fascinating. And again, like, deeply, deeply patriarchal. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's really interesting because I definitely, I don't know. It's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And it, you know, the funny thing is too, I think that we have, you brought up a really good point of like, I think we have this very artificially inflated version of, we live in a, in a point in history of unparalleled documentation of the brunches we've had, you know what I mean? Of, you know, and I, lo we love those reminders. We love the, I mean, they're, they're now automated. You know, I saw uh, a picture of, my first um, holiday with my nephew as a baby seven years ago that Facebook just decided to throw at me randomly because of an algorithm. And I think that we have artificially bought in a little bit to the idea that all this stuff's going to last. You know, when we're, we're struggling even now to oh shit, we better digitize these old family films, you know? And like, oh, I'm safe. All mine are on DVDs. Oh shit, now I have to. Like we're already within our own lifetime moving so fast that at some point all of this could go away. It's and then you're back to, same. you know, a couple initials scrawled in, an, in a census that we have for our great-grandparents, Yeah, you know? So it all kind of ends and, up coming out in the wash. It's like same as it ever yeah. was. Same as it ever was. And so, yeah, it's, it's one of those terrible things that so much of it, you know, I think we, we've tried to find alternatives and tried to find ways to divest ourselves from because we either don't want it or see too many flaws in it. And I think this is one of those that it, it for me, it snuck up on me, you know, it, it really kind of, um, divesting myself from a very specific into a more generalized spiritual identity, divesting myself from the heteronormative patriarchal life script, you know, it, some of that stuff came with relative amount of ease over the years. And like, as I get older, this is one that's really just kind of fucked with me. And I do. And, and like, you're right. It is, uh, comes from a place of privilege. It comes from a place of, I don't know, 
having both the time and the ability to it's some of this stuff is a brass ring. I feel like I could still really reach out and grab. Yeah. But is it, but is it, but why? But you know, or should I just enjoy being on the goddamn carousel? Yeah. You know? Cause I think like, I think too, there's this factor where like the systems in place for these legacies work for you. Where like, yeah. Divesting myself of Christianity freed me to have a more spiritual existence instead of tail spinning me into questions not having kids has freed me to forge my own identity especially as a a female presenting person um yeah and i think that there's people for whom even things like ancestry and stuff they don't have the privilege of that because their ancestors were brought over here on slave ships and stuff so they're having to piece together these traditions and legacy has to mean something different in order for those relatives who survived to bring them life to, to mean yeah. something, you know? And I think that's, that's, what's really fascinating is like, some people can still like, that's, what's really fascinating is it's such like a sort of hard to pin down space because legacy yeah. means something different for so many people. Um, and, for me, like not ha- not thinking about it or opting out is really freeing. Whereas for you, because like I wouldn't want to be in your position with the last name. That would be a little heartbreaking, a lot heartbreaking. And and that's okay. Like all of that is okay. You know, it's it's and it's like I don't know that there's a good way to come to terms with it. Yeah. It's you know, I think we know that the easiest thing to do um, is to attempt to be good, right? Attempt to give of ourselves in whatever ways that we feel comfortable and are able to those people around us that we care about. Yeah. You know? Um, that's the greatest investment in the future that you can make because it's the only one that's going to have an impact in in a way that transcends these sort of assigned meanings and these assigned value systems. Yeah. And there's not one clear path to that. No. And that may be as simple as, doing well and getting by for yourself you know that doesn't even necessarily it is a a point of privilege to have it in yourself to be able to give is also you know as we're constantly peeling the onion away another level of privilege too um and it's just crazy it's it for me it's it's one of those things that like i i wish because it, it harkens back to a lot of things that I would love to say that I've happily divested myself from, you know, and it's a weird ghost in my closet that I can't get to go away. And I've tried to exercise. Maybe you should try um, befriending it instead. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Like just kind of own it, like own, own it and admit that it's sad, but that that's okay. Like give it the value that it warrants, you know? Yeah. 
because it isn't easy and it's okay to be kind to yourself. Hmm. Well, I think that <laughs> I, <laughs> this is, that's yeah, this has I been quite that, the episode. Yeah, um, and I think that we'd love to hear from all of you. Yes. We'd love to get a sense of, is this something that has crossed your mind? Was it a weird barrier that you had to get over? Is Have you found ways to take comfort or comfort others through all of this? Like, yeah. What are, what are the things that help you? So I think that we'll just say... Um, be good to each other, be kind to each other. Come find us. We're on Facebook, we're on Instagram, Twitter, not just sleeping in. As always, emails at questions at not just sleeping in.com. Now, with that, until next week, I'm Tiger. Uh, and I'm Lee. Spread love. Be good. Live your damn truth. And of course, have fun, have fun sleeping, sleeping in. in.